Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Welcome, everyone. I know I do my podcast every week, and it's been going on, wait, six and a half years. No way. Yes, six and a half years. And I have been dying to have this person on. Now, let me just do an intro, and then I can't, I don't even know what to tell you, except, you know, there's certain people you meet in your life through your work that are incomparable to and like they're the love I feel deep love for this person and admiration and respect. I'm not kidding. Like deepness. Um, even though I wasn't invited to her wedding, but the I didn't know you then. Oh my gosh, shut up. <laughs> You're such an asshole. Anyway, the point is that I, I waited to have her on and I had been asked and people kept asking and I, because I, because I did all my podcasts live and I thought, oh, I can't do, you know, I want to, I want to set aside time and be with her and do this, but she lives in California and then the fucking pandemic hit. And then I was like, you know what? She's going to be the first person I do live when I come back. And now all my podcasts are on Zoom. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, I have been looking forward to this for, I can't even tell you how long. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, I don't give intros like this, as you know, the one and the only, and the only one who will ever be like her because she's such a fucking original. One of the greatest people I have ever met through work. Wendy Lehman is here! Cry. I'm gonna cry. Why? It's I like, love you so much. Like I it's mutual. You're like I know, my but I've been through another mother. You are, I've been through many stages of your life with you. Yes. We don't talk that we go through periods where we talk all the time and then we don't talk. It's one of those deep, deep bonding soul sister. I, I just love you. I knew you before you were gay. Okay, I was gay. <laughs> you mean out, before I was out. Well, before I knew you were gay. Right. You know, I tried to keep it a little bit of a secret. I tried to match you up with tall men. Did You did? Who did you try to match me up with? Um, I, did, I wasn't even friends with him, but I worked with Brad Garrett once and I suggested it. <laughs> I fucking love Brad Garrett. I know. He's and hilarious. he's so handsome. Isn't he? he's tall enough for you. I know. But that was always it. Like being What's a tall. What's the fucking bell thing? What's the bell? A Jew. Anything Jewish is, as you know, Wendy has never listened to my podcast, so she doesn't know that I have a Jew bell. And anything that's remotely Jewish gets a gets a ring. And people are complaining about it. So. Uh, that it's too. That's annoying, but it's like, it's not a lot. A lot of people love it because they're Jews. And, um, but I do it because, you know, there's so much anti-Semitism, and we need to know how much we've contributed to the world. 
and that we're all connected. And it's also an homage to my mother who like would ever, who would always be like, like, I don't know if your parents did this when you were watching TV, but it was basically, you know, we'd be watching TV and someone would come on, Jew, non-Jew, anti-Semite, married a Jew, converted. That was like every person, every time someone came on, that was, did you have that? name only. Yeah. Did you have that in your house or no? No, we grew up. Like, I'm not a good Jew, Judy. Like You are a good Jew. Because no, I, I just took down my Christmas lights. I got to go. I have another appointment. <laughs> I wasn't bought mitts, but I wanted to be because I wanted the stage time. Right. I will, say, I will say that my bat mitzvah was my first real performance. You know, solo. Right. Like, all my friends wanted to do it for the money. I right. Wanted- do it for to the get stage time. Yeah, I know. Um, I went to a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs, and I uh, perform at a lot of Jewish functions now. Right, so I feel like I have my PhD. You know, you can't. People think you're only a good Jew if you practice Judaism, but practicing Judaism doesn't just mean being kosher or going to synagogue. It means healing the world, social justice. You're, you make people laugh. You're a total Jew. And listen to your voice. Anyway, so Wendy Liebman, uh, we're going to start at the very Long beginning. Long Island, a Jew you, from Long Island. Ros, Roslyn, Long Island, a, an older sister, Debbie. She's a therapist. Who's a therapist. Um, and Debbie had a best friend, Emily. And the three of you, oh, I know, people freak out when they do my podcast. I do like all this research. Okay. And the three of you, your sister would let you hang out with her and Emily because. um, I have pictures. Let me see. Pictures. There. I can't. Me and Debbie. Wow. This is great for a podcast that you can't see on. Lemonade stand. That was your lemonade stand. But here's Emily in the middle. That's Emily in the middle. Oh, she was tall. Yes. She still is. Look at you so fucking cute. I know. Look how cute you are. (laughs) You have the same fucking face. Okay. I know. Okay. That's enough pictures. All right. Now, so you and Debbie and now like my sister, of course, and my brother wanted nothing to fucking do with me. So you're lucky. Um, Also, your parents are very active, smart, spry. Your father, doctor. He was in the insurance business. Okay. Why did I think he was a doctor? Because a lot of Jews from Long Island. Yeah. So he was in the insurance business and your mother? She ran a nursery school for 20 years, but they just, I just talked to them and they wanted me to say hello because they love you. I love them. Many times at the Y, they saw you interviewing Phil Rosenthal. Ah, that, ah, (laughs) I love them. And can I just tell you, I just called my dad because yeah. it was Father's Day yesterday. Yes. No, I posted stuff on Facebook. I forgot to call him and I can't even forgive myself. I feel okay. terrible. Okay. Here's the deal. I missed my father's last Father's Day uh, huh? for a gig. Gig. Okay. And then he dropped dead. So shut the fuck up. Okay. Will you call my dad? 
I didn't tell him I'm sorry. Yes, I'll call him. I love, see, you're a total Jew with the guilt. Okay. Oh, even though I sent him a gift. Right. He doesn't care. It's a fucking fake day. And my kids, it's not a big holiday in my house, you know, because my kids were raised by lezzies. Anyway, even though Henry does say happy Father's Day to me all the time. Okay. So. Do they know their fathers? Okay. They're sperm donors. Do they Don't know them? Don't you think them? father, the word father, no, it's anonymous, but. Don't you think the word father is more of a, like you have a responsibility? I mean, I know women who have, you know, the kids have fathers and they're deadbeat dads and they just call them the sperm donor, you know, like, but ours is really a sperm donor, like an anon- two anonymous sperm donors. Uh, and we have no idea who the fuck they are. Anyway. But they, apparently they're very good looking because my kids are both good looking. Okay. Is that part of the process? You have to go through pictures and you go. I want- uh, when I did it, uh, it was so long ago that they didn't have photos. Now they have photos. You can match baby pictures. You can. Yeah, I did it by health. Well, I did the Jew catalog. And I did it by, you know, good health and smart and no, not a lot of mental illness or like, you know, you're going to die when you're 25. Good genes. Yeah, good genes. So your sister Debbie and you and Emily would perform in your basement. You you did Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) That was that picture. That was the picture? I was Rumpelstiltskin. And your sister was always nice to you? Oh, I just fucking, you're so cute. She wasn't always nice to you. She was cool. And I just wanted her to like me. Right. Two years older, right? Two years. So I just wanted to be cool because I wanted her to like me. So she taught me how to smoke cigarettes. And then late at night, if I was good, if I brought her snacks, she would give me the butt of her cigarette. (laughs) I could smoke the last draft. So yeah, she was nice to me and um, she was so cool. And now she's like the warmest person I know. So the warmest person. Yeah. She's so sweet and she'll listen. You know, what's amazing. My sister who, you know, very contentious relationship with, but one time my mother was, I think she was going through menopause and she didn't smoke but she had like loose cigarettes around. Like, remember those Eve cigarettes? And they had like, they had, it was like painted, a paint, yeah, little flowers on it and everything. I don't know if she got them at bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs. I don't know where the fuck she got them. And they would be on the shelf. And um, <laughs> one time my sister's like, Judith, and she was four years older than me, is still four years older. Than me. Go steal a cigarette and meet me upstairs in the bathroom. So I go steal a cigarette and I meet her upstairs in the bathroom and we light it and we're puffing it. And uh, then she's like, all right, we're done. You know, cause they all, my brother, sister, if uh, they engaged with me in anything, they decided when it started and when it stopped, I had no say in anything. So I was the youngest. So uh, she's like, all right, put it out now. And I was like, okay, do not tell mommy. I said, okay, fine. A few days later, I'm like, oh, I want to be, you know, cool again. So I get, I steal a cigarette and I go to my sister. I go, I got a cigarette. And 
we can go back in the bed. She's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I started smoking cigarettes in the bathroom and she fucking told on me. And first of all, she was the one that fucking started it. It's like she gaslighted you. Exactly. I've been gaslit my whole life. Okay. So but you don't still smoke cigarettes. No. Ugh. Okay. I don't either, but my sister still smokes cigarettes. No, she doesn't. Doesn't that upset you? Very, I, like, I want to write a book about how to quit if you care about your sister. Like, if Is she been smoking the whole time? Pretty much. And, and she, does she smoke a lot? She doesn't smoke a lot. And actually, to tell you the truth, I don't know if she smokes now because I don't know if she did like a pandemic right. thing or not. But um, she says her lungs, she ha- gets them checked out and her lungs are fine. Like my grandmother was 94 when she quit smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, Grandma, why did you quit? And she goes, I had enough. <laughs> <laughs> Elisa's grandmother lived to 96. And was a chain smoker. So there's no. Yeah. It just depends on who the person is. Right. My grandmother is. um, She was so funny. Wait, I had a story about her, but then I just forgot. Oh, um, no, I forgot. it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. When you were four, Emily let you come to her birthday party. Oh, my God. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. And uh, you were so excited that you were with the older girls and uh, you had a pee, but you didn't want to leave and miss out on anything. And you thought your dance skins would hold the pee. So you didn't, you just peed. And then Emily's mother came over. Was Emily Jewish? Wait, wait, wait. Was Emily Jewish, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So before we get to Emily's mother, I remember my thought process. Right. Red Danskins and like a red and white striped Danskin shirt. You know, they were like the early Garanimals. Yeah. I wish I could wear them now. (laughs) So I remember thinking, I have to pee. I'm four or three. And I go... The bottom of the pants will hold it in. Like it, the pee will stop at the bottom. <laughs> that was my thought process. Right. Because I just didn't want to lose my spot. We were playing Duck, Duck, Goose. Right. So that's when Emily's, I got, I guess I got up to chase somebody around the circle. And Emily's mother came down and said, did you have an accident? And I said, no, (laughs) your pipes are leaking. (laughs) Four years old, four years old. And what did she say? Said, well, okay, but I think you need to go home and change. Were you so mortified? I was soaked. Right. So I wasn't mortified because I had convinced myself that I didn't pee, that her pipes were leaking. Okay. Wishful thinking. Now, did your mother say anything like Wendela? No. Okay. I, I love I that story. After that, oh, it just sucked. I'm great. 
Wendy's um, has a gray comic. What is it? It's just a stick that covers it's your gray. Time. Yeah, I have every product. I have the magnetic kind that you put on, but then, right. you, then you get stuck to the refrigerator. But I have like the root touch up. I, I have the spray and I also have, there's a spray. It's like a dry shampoo with color in it. I have the spray, Bumble and Bumble. And I also have, I got a brush that it's like, it looks like a compact and you can do the grays. I have that one. Yeah, that's good. You know I love my Liquid IV, that I drink Liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben, my son, Ben, who plays basketball, his team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes love Liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the, the uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends or for going wild, have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JUDYGOLD, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code JUDYGOLD, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome. Okay. So you went to, uh, you know, you went to public school, correct? And you were smart. Did you get straight A's all the time? No, I had like uh, some A minuses, but I knew which classes to take. Like, I think being smart is partly figuring out how to get a good grade. Like I was always right. the teacher's pet. I wanted right. to be a class clown, but I was the teacher's pet. So this was like a problem. So did you ever get through grammar school and middle school? Did you ever get in trouble? Did you ever get suspended? No, no you fact, didn't. I did. I got in trouble. I never got suspended. I didn't in, either. In seventh grade. 
I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. My art class convinced me to ask the teacher if he was wearing a toupee. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Rob. Mr. Rob. So the kids said to you. Ask him, ask him. Ask him if he's wearing a toupee. And I just wanted them to like me. Right. So I asked, we had like this, um, he had a teacher's assistant named Lisa and Uh she had two earrings. Which was radical. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Right. And um, I just, she looked like Cher. Right. And um, Mr. I asked Mr. Rom if he was wearing a toupee (laughs) and he took me outside in the hall. And he took his head off. Yeah. And he took his toupee off. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I actually just watched the episode of Cheers where Ted Danson takes. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't realize he did that. Yeah. Um, And he said, that wasn't very nice. That would be like if I asked you if you were wearing pasties. No way. And so I ripped out my pasties. (laughs) But. That is fat. Wait, first of all, I have many questions. Because you didn't know this about me. Right. Did he wear a toupee? Still don't did know. You, did you do it in front of the whole class? I did. So it was like, I have a question. And he thought it was about whatever the paper mache assignment was. Right. And you said, are you wearing a toupee? You could have said right there, I meant mache, but you didn't. <laughs> Okay. And then he brings you outside. And then what do you think if he said, that's like me asking if wearing pasties, if he said that today, would he be fired? Because pasties is tits. I think he could have had me expelled if it was today. Really? Yeah, or no way, or he, sent me to the principal, or I haven't thought about this right. forty years. Do you think Mister Toupee get, Rom, whatever his name was, do you think he was gay? I don't think he was gay, but he was wearing hip huggers with bell bottoms. Yeah, he's gay. And um, I want to find him on social media. One of my seventh grade teachers reached out to me. No way. Through another friend and asked me to get his script to Paramount. No fucking way. Yeah. Don't you hate people that do that? I guess like I live close to Hollywood. Right, so right. They thought maybe I, I mean, you're Wendy Liebman. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you didn't have a bat mitzvah, but you went to a lot of bat mitzvahs. Now, in high school, you were in all the school plays, correct? Were you in them in junior high, too? Like, were you very, were you in the band and the drama, or were you mostly singing and acting? We were, I don't think there was a band in junior high. I know. Um, And I wasn't in the band senior year, but I was, oh, I was... I was full of irony because on one hand, I was a cheerleader, but I was an angry cheerleader. (laughs) I was like, give me an F. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was angry. I was hungry. And I was a cheerleader, but I was also in the drama club. So people couldn't figure you out. Yeah. Out. Neither could my therapist. Good night. Did you go to therapy at a young age? 16. Wow. I went at 18 and I thought that was young. Did you ask your parents if you could go to therapy or did they send you? No, I asked because I, I was anorexic. Right. So I had this German woman telling me to eat and she scared the shit out of me. So I did. I started eating. Okay. Your Jewish parents in Rosalind sent you to a German <laughs> well, she Nazi. Was German, Jew. German Jew. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. Wow. So did, okay. When did you realize you were anorexic or that you had an eating thing? Just like 15, maybe. Do, was it a control thing? The eating? Yes. It's like people don't understand anorexia, especially now with the, with the body dysmorphia and all this shit that's going on. That it's a fucking disease. It's not like someone saying, eat, eat, you know, you're right. too skinny or this. But, and it was like, no one talked about it when you, when you had it. It was rampant. In Roslyn? It's competitive non-eating. Right. Is what I think anorexic. I saw an anorexic woman with a sign that said, we'll work. <laughs> what, um, <laughs> what people don't understand about anorexia, it's not that we don't want to eat. It's that, like, we, all we want to do is eat. So it's right. really the opposite of obesity. You know, it's it's an eating disorder. But I haven't suffered that in 50 years or 45 years. So, God, thank God. Baruch Hashem. But <laughs> in Roslyn, New York, it was most, it was a lot of girls. Did someone say something to you or did you know, oh, this is a problem? I don't remember how I figured it out, but um, right. I think it was just really fucking hungry. Right. And our family went to therapy for something else, like something with my sister. And mm -hmm. then I asked if I could go by myself. So I think that's how it happened. So the four of you went, so you had already gone to family therapy. Don't you love, my family was into therapy too. Like my, both my parents went, I mean, I was an adult, but I was the first to ask to go. And it was not shunned, but it was something, you know, now everyone goes to therapy and everyone talks about therapy. But when I remember when I was 18, I remember saying to my friends, you know, I go to therapy and it was like a thing, like I'm a secret. I'm letting you in on. Exactly. Right. People don't realize how much the world has changed. So you went to therapy. Do you remember the German woman's name? Eva Eben. Mm. From, Great Neck, from Great Neck South. Was she a Holocaust survivor? Probably, but you know, she was the kind of therapist who you would say, are you a Holocaust survivor? And she would say, "Why do you, do you really want to know if I'm a Holocaust survivor or do you want to talk about why you want to know? She was that Oh God, yeah, very I analytical. Knew, right, so I knew not to. Right, boundaries. Right. Um, so she really helped you. 
did you have friends who were anorexic too that you like did you talk to your friends about it or non-eating buddies <laughs> really no but my my best friends I one of my closest friends was bulimic but I didn't know about that for many years but um so that's a different kind of eating disorder right you can hide more right um yeah, everybody everybody had some issue in Roslyn. Well, it's the suburbs. You have to, you know, there's you have to or life is boring. Now, when Karen Carpenter died, was that a huge Well, I am I wanted to be Karen Carpenter. I wanted to be Lorraine Newman on Saturday. Right. Live. And now we're friends, which is so funny. Oh my god, I fucking love her so much. And I love Hannah. <gasps> Hannah's doing my show at Locally Grown. I know the one you asked me to do, but I didn't know. I don't think I'm going to be in town, but I'm coming. I'm doing that fucking show. Please. Locally. Okay. Okay. But yes. So I wanted Karen Carp. I wanted to be Karen Carpenter. I wanted to be Lorraine Newman. Right. Skinny in my leotard and everybody in my class, we were all into dance. Like we all had leotards and we took dance at Temple Beth Shalom. But did you have, and you had a lot of friends. I had my best friend and then like. Jill? Yeah. And then a group of other friends. So you're in high school, you're academically great. You're in the drama club and you're a cheerleader, which to me would mean you have no fucking problems. Like that's, you know, would be a dream come true. I and six two, six three, getting called Bigfoot and Sasquatch every time I walk down the fucking hall, and I'm in the band, I and I don't play basketball, basketball, huh? I think about you all the time in <laughs> high school. It was hell, and yet you see that the people you think are doing perfect are also having a fucking hard time. But mine was so obvious and out in the open. I think it was probably maybe easier to suffer not in silence. You know, I don't know, but whatever. It was humiliating, which is why I'm in show business and nothing's humiliating. I mean, I do get PTSD, like on red carpets when they're like, oh, I'm sorry, your name. Or I talked about this a few weeks ago with someone where whenever you do like step and repeat, and, and, you know, it's like, oh, can you move? And, you know, it's just like, it's so fucking pushes my buttons when they, you know, they're like, I knew you're here for, and you're the publicist for, and you're like, oh, fuck you. Well, um, I hosted a show once for a benefit. This is the third mm-hmm. time I hosted this big benefit in LA. And they basically told me to get out of the way on the red carpet. I'm like, fuck this shit. <laughs> Like no way. Yeah. So it's like we do so many things for free. Right. At least respect me. Right. And you realize how disposable you are. Right. So if anything, it made me stand up for myself. But you know what? It's like my manager told me to stop doing benefits, you know, and I feel like it's my... Jewish, you know, we're supposed to give back. So I still do them, but I'm not, I'm not 
do one out for free. And my my therapist called me Mother Teresa a couple of weeks ago. So I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm done. So you go through high school. Were you in the National Honor Society? I won an award for writing. And I also won the okay. class award for creativity, which was just somebody's family set up this chunk of money because their son passed away. And so they wanted to give like a prize to each graduating class in his honor. His name right. is Arbo, was the last name. And I won the creativity award. So oh, I know it was like a hundred bucks. That's so great. God, your parents must be so proud of Wendela. Except okay. I didn't call my dad on Father's Day. Oh, shut the fuck up. Okay, so you, I didn't call my father on Father's Day either. Good night, folks. So. Hey, everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. You then graduated and went to Wellesley. Now, did you apply to other schools? Why did you pick Wellesley? And why are you so fucking smart? Go ahead. I wanted to go to Wesleyan. Really? I didn't get in. What? I got into 
Binghamton, Connecticut College. And I was waitlisted at Brown and I'm still waiting. Um, I went to Wellesley. It was the best school I got into. My mother went there and that's why I got in. And it is then, not. And I took my second year and I went to Wesleyan on exchange. So I got to go there. And then I realized Wellesley was a better school for me. And I was planning on going back anyway, because it was only a year. But anyway, I, then I went back and I majored in psychology. Yes, I know that. And I don't know if you know what my thesis was about. It was about body image and shyness. Wow. Did you and consider yourself shy? A little bit. And it, yeah. Even bit. though you played Viola in Twelfth Night, Dorothy in Wizard of Oz, Eliza in uh, Fair My Fair Lady. Yeah. Um, you did a thesis on body image and shy. Did you consider yourself to be shy? There was something wrong with with me like I had a lot of extra energy and yet I was nervous to talk so yeah right. I guess I was shy but that started when I was 11 that's when like women's body or my body started to change right and so that's when like the shit hit the fan but before that I was the actress let Wait. me say I can't say so do you see me in green yeah I was playing a Jewish mother yeah, a Yenta. You played a Yenta. I have that written down. And I, that was our basement. Yeah. Jew, I got the biggest laughs. I remember doing it. I was like, what did you have for dinner? <laughs> and you remember getting a laugh. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Will you send me these? Yeah, that's the first time I got a laugh. I tried to get a laugh. I remember putting my right. socks on. That was 11? That was... Six. Oh. I was six. Six. And I just remember thinking if I put my socks on so they're not symmetrical, that will be hilarious. Because right. really, there's nothing funnier than crooked socks or crooked glasses. Right. Right? Okay. <laughs> I'm, a prop, I'm a prop You're comic. a prop comic. So you write this thesis. Did they do anything with it? Or did they say, wow, this is fucking brilliant? So I did it with a professor and it got quoted in other literature about. Wow. Blindness. And, but I want to tell you what I did, like how I did it. Like I studied exhibitionism. Like I made this scale of things you would do. Like, would you streak or some, I don't remember what the questions were. But I also, part of the study was I went to Harvard because Harvard and Wellesley are like 15 miles away and right. Wellesley's all women. And so I found this group of students, guys, who would rate women on their picture on scale of attractiveness. And right. then I would- Was one of them Trump? Oh, because he didn't <laughs> go to Harvard. All right. Yeah, go ahead. I cross-referenced with how the women felt about themselves in terms of shyness. And what I found was the women who were less shy were see, were deemed more attractive. Oh, really? I would think it would be the opposite. 
Right. No, it was that if you had confidence. The men, that's because they went to Harvard. If you went to fucking community college, they would be like. But then I heard Mark Zuckerberg, that's how he started Facebook. He had women or men rating women. That's how he started Facebook. So I think somehow I started Facebook. You started Facebook along with those fucking twins and you should get some money. Wow, that is fascinating because this whole idea of not being shy uh, and be, being shy and I, like, cause my sister is shy and she told me I hate shy people when I, years ago. And I don't hate shy people, but I have had to endure so much, you know, humiliation and belittling that I want to take, I wanted to take control. Like it got to the point where I was like, nothing you say to me, like I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. I've heard it all. So I think sometimes I have an air of confidence. I think a lot of people think, and people will say, oh my God, you you, you know, you scared me when, and I was like, and I'm so not that, like, I'm not a scare. I'm like inside I'm a mush ball, you know? I know. But it's interesting that the guys would think the women who were more confident were attractive because, you know, ladylike means not having an opinion. So, no, but, they're, but they're presenting themselves like maybe if you're confident, you're sitting up straighter. Right, right. If you're not shy, you're like not yourself. You're out there, and so maybe that comes off as more attractive. Okay, I didn't so you, the, I didn't say the findings were repeated. I didn't. Yes, my study was any good. Right. So after college, you moved into a house with these PhD and MDs at at Harvard, right? And they were brilliant. And you were working at Harvard in the uh, doing research in the clinical psychology department, right? Okay, or in clinical psychology, and you would play Trivial Pursuit with them, and they were really fucking smart, right? And you were like, fuck. And it was your humor. That's when you realized I'm funny. I can be funny and get out of this. A feeling of feeling like shit or dumb. It was my MO, Judy. Like I was clinically depressed. And on top of that, I was around all these brainiacs. And I just felt so less than and so the way I brought myself up was I could make everybody laugh right and that was like then I could catch my breath because I was so you you know what it's like to be depressed I would just cry all the time I couldn't even leave the house yeah over you know you can't do anything. You can't. I remember the time went by so slowly. You know, I would look at that clock and it uh, the seconds would, it was horrible. Yeah, it's a horrible, and it's chemical. It's not like, right. you, you know what I mean? Like my, I've said this before on the show, like my blood levels were completely different than when I wasn't depressed. You know, my right. I was always functioning, like I always went to work. Yeah, I uh, couldn't go to work. And I would just cry at work. Yeah. 
I remember, um, yeah, at the kids' games, and I was just sitting there, and it was, it's awful. It's so fucking awful. Okay. It's not in our control. Right. And then I got medicated. And, um, but yes, my MO for that time was making people laugh. And then I realized, okay, so the, should I skip ahead and tell you how I got into comedy? Well, I know how you got into comedy. You were working as a secretary and you got the wrong mail, something, you picked up the wrong mail for a different office and there was a brochure for continuing education or something at Harvard, uh, 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 secretary during the day. And at Radcliffe, you were working and you got the wrong mail and there was a, a class about how to become a stand-up comedian. Was it Ron Lynch who it taught it? Ron Lynch, yes. And if and, you don't know who Ron Lynch is, he still does stand-up. He's been on the Sarah Silverman program. He's in movies. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. And you said, oh, I'm going to take this class. Judy, when I, okay, this is really how it happened. I lived in an apartment. I took the wrong mail in from the apartment downstairs. Okay. I saw a class on acting and I was like, okay, I'm going to take that. So I took the acting class and the teacher quit at the break. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the, the school said, take another class. So I don't know why I didn't see this one at first, but I see how to be a stand-up comedian. And I swear to God, it was like angels were singing. Right. Like, oh, Right. And I fucking knew that I wanted to do that. And even though I sucked so bad, I just knew that that was what I should be doing. And you took this class. Did you know, did Ron, I mean, because as, you know, I'm sure everyone knows Wendy's delivery and the fact that she, her jokes are perfection. And the use of the English language is beyond.com. Did he know? Because you know it takes every, if you don't know this from listening to my podcast, that it takes like 15 years to even know what the fuck you're doing up there. Did he know, oh, this girl's an original. This, this woman has some sort of, you know, special delivery. It's not like everyone else, you know, did he recognize that? Well, I don't think I re knew that I had that style for right. years, but we became best friends and he was like my mother and I spent all my time with him and he would take me to gigs. And I remember going to a gig with him, not me performing. He was performing with his then partner, Bob, who was a team, Bob and Ron, Ron and Bob. And we went to a college and some girls came up to them afterwards, and it was Janine Garofalo. Oh my she god! Was a student, she was. She was. She was also a student. No, she was a student oh, at the at college. The college. Was, okay, but I think that was. I don't. I. I don't know if that was right before she started doing stand up. But um, Ron was just so good to me. But it's so funny because you were the teacher's pet again. And I just wanted to be the fucking class clown. Right. And yeah. You're right. So, I was the teacher. Yeah. Oh my God. You should be a therapist. Thank you. Um, so, and you want, you were going to be a therapist, but you decided no. 
I so would, I would rather make a hundred people laugh than one person cry. Right. <laughs> I love that line. Okay. <laughs> so you start doing stand-up. Now, a lot of people we should explain. There are two places if you want to be a great fucking stand-up, especially in the 80s, it was Boston and New York. And there were Boston comics and there were New York comics. And if you did both, you were fucking so strong. I, because it's interesting that the, the New York and Boston audiences don't take any shit. They know when you're full of shit. They, you know, they're, it's, they are the hardest audiences. But I remember when you started, you know, it was like Lynn Tony Smith. V and Steve Sweeney and Linda Smith, uh, Laura Keitlinger. Like there were all these. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. I, I, I heard it. gig with him. Yeah, you did a gig with him. Uh, you opened for him. There were like eight people and he yes. killed. How do you know all this about me? <laughs> I do like major research. Oh my God. How I know that it was in a, some kind of weird place. Right. And there were like eight people. Yeah. It was 141 Elm street. Yeah. In Northampton. Yeah. And right. Northampton, Massachusetts. That's yeah. right. And for me, it was the nightmare on Elm street, but he was getting laughs. Yeah. He killed it. And did these guys tell you you were funny? Barry Crimmins did. Yeah. And Brian Kylie did. Yeah. People were so nice. Like the comedians, I, I really think it was a nice fraternity. You know, I, I felt that because even though I was in New York and I started going to the clubs in like 82 because I, I was in college, but I, I remember being so jealous of the Boston comics who who honed their craft and craft in Boston and then came to New York instead of being in New York, it wasn't as nice. You know, the, it, it wasn't as fraternal in a way because there were more and, and it right. was just fiercely competitive and people were coming from all, you know, and I would drive to like, we were coming to Boston to work. Because oh, at no. Kowloon's or Nick's, right? Um, comedy Connection. Comedy to. Connection, Catch a Rising Star. Made Again Sam's. Yep. I mean. But I only went to New York once because I still had a day job. And I remember performing at Eddie Girl's Room, The Paper Moon. Oh, yeah, The Paper Moon. And Jimmy Chingle was there. And uh, Axine <laughs> Lapidus was there yeah. at night. And I remember I performed and Jimmy Tingle said to me, you're a great performer, but you need more material. And I could still say that about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the material, lady. You were doing really well in Boston. And I've told the story before because we're both in that movie hysterical that you came to Catch a Rising Star (laughs) to do a set. I think you might have been doing Letterman. I don't know, but I you came there. It was. Uh, it was like it was late eighties. It was like eighty eight, maybe. I don't yeah. even know. Eighty nine, and I remember Lewis saying, and I had been hanging out there since I was nineteen, sitting at that fucking bar, and um, 
I remember Lewis saying, Gold, <laughs> come in and watch the, her. This is funny. This is funny, Gold. You want to be like her. And I'm like, we're so opposite. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I remember watching you up there and it was like, it was so original. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with my friend. I I fucking love this woman, Wendy Liebman. Thank you, Wendy, for being on the show. I fucking love her. How much do you love Wendy Liebman? Seriously. There's nothing not to love. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast and my life would not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. If you have not subscribed to the show, you're mentally ill and you need to do that. You need to leave a five-star review. You need to buy my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. You, There's a lot of stuff you need to do if you listen to this podcast. Go to judygold.com. You will find everything I'm doing and thinking and writing about. You can also find links to my book. You can get the audiobook, which is fucking fantastic. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all my upcoming virtual and live events and all dates at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because you know I'm a Jew. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned that. But really, thank you, thank you, thank you. I- I've been doing this podcast for six years. It is a labor of love because, believe me, I make no money. And I just thank you so much for listening because it- it's really, I love hearing people's stories. It's It's really, I feel like, other people's stories help people in so many ways. And I just, I just love doing it. So I thank you so much for listening. Please, if you haven't had a vaccine, you are mentally ill and you need to get a fucking vaccine. Okay. It's ridiculous. Just get a fucking vaccine so we can eradicate this goddamn fucking virus. Also stop taking everything so personally. It's not about you. Please support live stand-up comedy tell all your friends about my podcast because you know i need to i need some positive reinforcement you know very needy and um thank you again so much for listening uh if you're on the cape or near the cape i am in provincetown performing all summer long so come see me and thank you thank you all so much and as we always say so long Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, it's Just Kill Me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's just. Just Kill Me. No. Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now.